three, two, one. Baloney. Cone. Oh, okay. Hmm. There's a lot of pine trees outside. We had been getting a lot closer, but um, here we are with baloney pine cones. Both are edible. This is true. <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. It's fine. Chai, Chai there. there. Welcome to Cream and Sugar. Hey, Julia. Hey, Allie. How do you take care of a guitar that is anxious and nervous? I don't know. How? You strum it lightly and tell it not to fret. I think if someone told me that while I'm anxious now knowing this joke, I'd probably laugh. It would work. It's solid. Don't fret. (laughs) I'd be like, you bright. Wait. (laughs) Oh, no, I only have my electric guitar. That won't come through very well. So we're not going to we're not going to worry about setting that up. I could theoretically plug it into my recording system. Oh, my God. I might try that one day. Not today. That'd be funny. But this does give you a hint because today's episode is not about anything related to drinks. Oh? But before we get into that, let's listen to the intro music. Okay, before before I tell you what we're talking about, because for everybody listening at home, Julia does not know what this episode is about. I have no clue. And this episode was originally supposed to be a mini-sode that I was like, oh, that would be cool. And then I started researching it, and there was a lot more information that I wanted to cover. So, uh, before we get into all that, how you brewing? That is the most loaded question I've ever heard. <laughs> it's even more loaded than it was last time. <sighs> okay. Um, so, life update. I have had the longest week of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and a good three days of it, I don't remember. <laughs> Understandable. That's fair. So, this weekend has been both the best weekend and the worst weekend I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Uh, both at the same time. Um, <laughs> on Friday, uh, the previous Friday to, oh my god, what day is it? Has it been a week already? It's Saturday. So not last Friday, but the Friday before. This is this is how confused I am on my days. Mm-hmm. The Friday before, um, all of my favorite people came into town. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Saturday, the rest of my favorite people came into town. Mm-hmm. And on Saturday, we went wedding dress shopping. Yeah, we did. And I picked out my wedding dress, and I'm very excited to wear it. And it's so pretty. Uh-huh. It's so gorgeous. And that's all I'm going to say. Because Mike is currently in the other room with an earshot. Oh, quick side note. Um, I did buy and am now the proud owner of a handheld steamer that Ooh. I can bring with me day of, which may be handy. That will be handy. I think the um, I think the wedding planner will have one, but we're going to bring it just in case. Yep. Just bring in everything just to just in case we need it. Good to know. Mm-hmm. After wedding dress shopping... We had the best pizza. If you've never had Mellow Mushroom, go, don't walk, run to Mellow Mushroom. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And try the holy shiitake pie if you like mushrooms, because it's fantastic. It has a garlic aioli. Anyways, I could talk about pizza the rest of this podcast. 
There was also one that we had that I split with a couple other friends that was like a, it was regular pizza, but it also had pesto on it. Ooh. It was very good. Yum. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we walked around Charleston, but it was way too hot. Yeah. So we ended up going back to my apartment pretty, pretty soon after that. We maybe stayed downtown, what, an hour and a half, two hours, maybe? If that. Yeah, it wasn't long at all. Was, Everyone was exhausted yeah. after shopping, and it, we were done. Mm-hmm. So we went back to my place. We played games. We hung mm-hmm. out. We visited with my cousins who were from Louisiana that came all the way up for this. Mm-hmm. I, it was a fantastic weekend. Yes. Um, on Sunday, my cousins were supposed to fly out. Yeah. And my dad was supposed to be flying home. Instead, what happened is that there was a weather delay that delayed their airplane until the next day. So they had to come back to the apartment and stay. I did not know that. That's unfortunate. I saw the traffic and I got worried. Yeah. The, my other cousins, uh, the ones that drove had decided to stay an extra night. So they were checked out of their hotel and I had already said, yeah, y'all can stay with us. So (laughs) once their airplane got delayed, we sent Mike out to get another air mattress because we were going to have a full house. (laughs) Yeah. So we had the cousins back after I dropped them off at the airport. Uh, airport. And we said airport, airport like a hundred <laughs> times. <laughs> um, got to spend the night with them again. Uh, my dad ended up coming in and flying in for the next part of the worst weekend. Yay. Uh, so my dad showed up, which was awesome. I got to spend uh, maybe 48 hours with him. That's pretty Most good. Most of which I don't remember. um so mom picked him up from the airport i had to go to work the next day so i said all of my goodbyes after dropping the kiddos off at the airport the next morning and heading to work so i said my goodbyes took the kiddos to the airport went to work and clocked in at 7 15 instead of eight o'clock which i normally clock in yeah but i was not in the mindset to be working i knew i had to train some people and finish up some paperwork because I was going to be out of work for at least two weeks because Mm -hmm. your girl had surgery. Whoa. (laughs) And I'm going to spare all of the awful details. And I'm not saying that having surgery is a horrible thing because honestly, this is going to be life changing for me. It means I can go back to playing sports now that Mm -hmm. my ACL is new. (laughs) Yeah. New ACL. Who dis? Who dis? And I'm and I'm only saying this because I didn't have a bad experience. I just don't enjoy hospitals and needles. So the mm-hmm. whole event was very traumatic for me. But people who have gone through this probably understand how overwhelming it can be and how many people ask you so many questions. I mm. cried a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was very anxious. They had to sedate me before I could even get anesthesia. Yeah. And then by the time I was home, not remembering a whole lot after waking up because I was very groggy, um, Mm -hmm. the anesthesia didn't sit sit well with my stomach. So there was that. And Mm. then the pain meds also didn't sit well with my stomach. So I've had a really rough time. Um, But uh, I'm sure most of you can hear it in the background. There might be some white noise. Um, That is because I have a really fancy machine that is circulating (laughs) cold water around my knee as it heals. Which yeah. will speed up my recovery by weeks. Good. So, That's fantastic. I don't remember a lot of what happened. 
I just know I didn't enjoy it very much, but I'm going to feel a lot better and I'm going to be back to kickboxing in maybe six months. So um, for now, I've had both the best weekend and the worst weekend. And it's a week mm-hmm. later and I don't know where all the days went. <laughs> so Your days I'm... are committed to just getting stuff done. Yeah. My um my my how you brewin is confusing, conflicted, and I don't know how I feel yet. And also anesthesia makes we me weepy. And I've cried a lot mm. since I've gotten home for not any particular reason. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're also exhausted. I am. I have slept so much since I've gotten home. It mm. was a lot for me. Yeah. But I'm brewing much better. I'm getting to be a little bit more independent. My mom went home today. She stayed with me since she came into town on Friday, so she's been here over a week, mm-hmm. um, taking helping taking care of me with Mike, and I, I'm on the mend. I went to my first physical therapy appointment, and we did lots of bending, mostly on my own, which is good. Mm. So I'm I should be with my sheer determination. I should be good <laughs> soon. Good. But for now, I have a really funny setup in the living room, which is why my audio quality is not great, mm-hmm. and. My leg is currently on a chair. <laughs> Woohoo! Surrounded in ice. Yes, surrounded in <laughs> fancy ice. The guy that gave me the machine said it's a $5,000 bag of peas. <laughs> oh, cool. That's yeah, nice. which is at no cost to me. This this company is awesome. Shout out to VCU, <laughs> not the college, the uh, vascular compression unit mm. for making my recovery freer. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Because that, having to pay for everything on top of needing to, like, recover and go through the process is just obnoxious. Yeah, I'm ignoring the bills right now. We're going to wait until they all come together, and then we're going to see what happens. Yep, that is a later problem. The fact that they could help me with this means a lot. Mm-hmm. So how are you brewing? <laughs> I'm brewing pretty good. I am uh, also in a different recording spot just for funsies. Just for funsies? So I'm sitting in bed because it's cozy. And it was rainy, but now the sun has come out, so that's okay. Um, But I do have uh, a new recommendation for us from a new listener. Ooh, okay, what's the recommendation? So, my boss, who I didn't ask if I could say her name, so I'm not going to, but she has been listening to uh, the podcast while she and her family drive around for different, like, things that they do on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So, uh, also, anytime we're playing in her radio, it's like we're going on a road trip! Road trip! So, yay! Um... But she highly recommended, if we could, that uh, we take a trip to Boston. Ooh. Because apparently there is a very big coffee scene in Boston. And, like, we could spend days just planning and going to coffee houses. And I think if we could pull that off, like, not this year because it's too close. But, you know, sometime in the coming years, like somewhere between September and November, I think it would be really cool. Because uh, I don't know about you, but I've never been to Boston in the fall. That sounds so much fun. Yeah, that's also a deep cut VeggieTales reference for anybody that knows it. Is that what that's from? <laughs> that's, well, I don't know if it's from anything else. I Googled it to see and the first thing it pulls up is VeggieTales. Hmm. Uh, the pirates who don't do anything. They've never been to Boston in the fall. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. But also, like, I do want to go. <laughs> yeah. My dad flies to Boston pretty often. Mm-hmm. So he could probably hook us up with some places to stay and, you know, anything other than coffee shops. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be like, uh... I, I think that would be a blast. Mm-hmm. Also, I have more flowers on the side of the road to uh, tell you about now. 
Ooh, okay. Because I was driving down Homestown Road mm-hmm. the other day, and there are full on like it looks like maybe trumpet lilies growing out of the ditch. Ooh. Like a three foot tall stalk with several white flowers sticking off the side of it, which That's I can't tell exactly what they are. Cause you know, I'm driving, mm-hmm. but like, there's just a bunch of them. It looks like somebody maybe dropped seeds or threw an old flower there and it just regrew this year, hmm. but it's cool. If you are able to get a picture of it, I would love to see that, but I understand that probably requires you stopping and like pulling over to take a picture of it. Uh, if I happen to be at a red light close enough, I will do it. Yes. Yes. I also don't drive over there very often anymore, so we'll oh, see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's pretty much how I'm brewing. I'm just vibing. Mm-hmm. I may nice. go Barbenheimer tomorrow, uh, or I may just Oppenheimer. We'll see how I'm mm-hmm. feeling and how it goes. Oh, and uh, in the continued Noom journey, as of this morning, I am at 22 pounds down. Woo! Girl, that's amazing. And I'm just really excited to get under 200. Just for the, like, not even, like, weight loss necessarily, but just, like, it's a number goal. And I love number goals, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, mm, reaching goals. So, very exciting. I'm so proud of you. That's amazing. Thank you. And I had pizza last night. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. And last weekend. Side note, right before the surgery, they have to weigh me so they know exactly how much anesthesia to give me. Mm -hmm. And I am happy to say that in between the injury and now i haven't gained or lost any weight so i'll call that a win that's impressive Mm-hmm. okay so the quick fire question is going to give you another hint for what our topic of the day is all i have so far is guitars what is the oldest song you can name that you've heard like a recording not just like an old song from a long time ago what is like the oldest recorded song that you know of or that you listen to a lot? Because I know that you listen to like a lot of really old songs. Yeah. Well, our intro song might be one of the oldest that I know. Oh, is it? Because it came from the 1920s. Yes, it did. However, there are songs that are written into history that are much older than that. Yes. Yeah, that's why I added the recorded because I'm like, you know. Obviously, songs like the National Anthem and Auld Lang Syne and like, you know, right. old songs. But yeah, recorded music. I can only think of Twister by, I always want to say Louis Zong. That's not it. <laughs> Eddie Lang. Eddie Lang. <laughs> I can only think of that. Eddie's Twister. Yes, same. That is probably the oldest recorded song I know. So with that being said, Are you ready for today's topic that is not anything related to coffee or tea or anything yummy or anything edible, but it is related to the podcast? Yes. Today, we are going to do a deep dive into Eddie Lang. No way. (laughs) Yes. And who he was and what he's got going on. And oh boy, it's so much more interesting than I thought. That's so exciting. I'm so excited. I can't believe we talked about this. And I like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get more specific later, but like... I was just sitting in Barnes and Noble Starbucks listening to Eddie Lang in my headphones while writing these notes. And I just it was just a big mood. Okay. so uh, we already talked about it. But just to double check in case you missed it, the song that you hear at the beginning and the end of every regular episode of uh, Cream and Sugar is called Eddie's Twister. And we picked that song mostly because we were just looking through royalty-free music and it felt like it was just going to fit the vibe of our podcast. So we picked it. And I think it has served us well, and I really like it. It 
honestly makes me so happy when I mm-hmm. hear that song now. And to think two years ago, it uh-huh. meant nothing to us. And it uh, actually more than two years ago now, two and a half. Oh, my goodness. Um, but anyway, I figured it was about time that we uh, talked about Eddie Lang and the man behind the music. I think that is appropriate. So uh, I'll get started with I had lots of different sources, but Syncopated Times is one of the first ones I saw. And they called Eddie the first jazz guitar virtuoso. Ooh. Mm hmm. Can we break down some of those words? Yes. First, meaning there was no other before him. Fair. (laughs) Jazz, which, you know, the jazz music, which really was starting to grow right around early 1900s, particularly known in the 1920s. Uh, Guitar, because that was the instrument he was most known for, although, as we'll find out later, he plays a lot of different instruments. And virtuoso. Hold on. I don't actually know the direct definition of virtuoso. That's the main reason I wanted to break down. Yep. A person highly skilled in music or another artistic pursuit. A genius Hmm. or an expert, if you will. I like that. A maestro. A prodigy. Thank you, Google. Mm. Google coming in clutch with my limited knowledge of my own language. (laughs) What a vibe. I was thinking about doing uh, Duolingo for English and seeing what I don't know. Oh, that's a good idea. Right? I kind of want to do that. (laughs) Or like just how formal it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. First things first. Eddie's name is not Eddie Lang. It's not? No. His name is Salvatore Massaro. What a great name. Why did you change it? Uh, for a, a popular reason at the time. Okay. Let me make sure I'm pronounce, pronouncing it right. Pronouncing. It's an Italian name. He's not Italian, but... <laughs> or he's not, like, from Italy Italian. Gotcha. All right. Massaro. I'm going to refer to him as Salvatore Massaro until we get to the point in his life where he changed his name to Eddie. So, uh, Salvatore was born in 1902 in Philadelphia, which is near and dear to my heart because that's where all of my family is from. And it's near and dear to my heart because that's basically where Mike's from. Mm-hmm. I did find one quote. Actually, it was a quote from Eddie in an in sorry, Salvatore, in an interview where he was talking <laughs> about his early uh, early years. Mm-hmm. And he said, most people start their musical education at an early age. And I, being no exception, started at the very tender age of one and a half years. Oh, my gosh. His father actually used to make guitars in Italy. And so for his kids any of them that were remotely interested in it he would make them instruments you know for their level so eddie had an instrument that basically consisted of a cigar box with a broom handle attached and a strong thread for the string that's so cute mm-hmm. this is giving me brave vibes where yes. merida gets her first bow mm-hmm. exactly and like uh so a couple different sources were saying that as Uh, Salvatore grew up so did his guitars so his dad would continue to hand build guitars that like grew with Salvatore and with his musical talent level Um, and there is a mention that he also had a brother and a sister that played guitar growing up but obviously they were not nearly as successful as their brother and I did find another source that said that Salvatore was the youngest of 10 children my gosh were they catholic I couldn't find anything that said one way or the other, but I know also just a lot of families in Philadelphia tend to just have a lot of kids. Mm. It's also that time period. Yeah. I know that my grandfather is the, I think he's the one of nine mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of those things. 
Yeah. It just be like that. It just be like that. Um, and I did find one article of somebody that did a deep dive specifically into his early years, like his childhood, teenage years, and his early career. And they got super specific. Um, so that article, which is the one that also had the quote from his interview, had the exact address of where he grew up, like even when they moved, and his father's work history in the United States just from like censuses and stuff. Oh, wow. Um, so apparently... His parents moved to the United States from Italy in the 1880s, and his dad had had a successful business as a guitar maker or builder slash guitar crafter, which is going to be my choice of vocabulary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But he chose not to open a business in the United States because he was having a hard time adopting to the English language. Makes sense. So according to the census, Salvatore's dad worked on the railroad and eventually rose in the ranks there as presumably uh, his English improved and he was able to show his value as an employee. Okay. And I found out another interesting tidbit about his childhood is that uh, he started to move towards the violin, especially as he was going into school. Mm-hmm. Ed Sullivan, who was the guy that like would later have like a really popular American TV show. He's like kind of like a late night talk show thing. Mm hmm. He actually, when he was a columnist, so before any of that, he wrote about an accident that Salvatore was in when he was younger, and he said he was hit by a Philadelphia streetcar when he was a kid and was forced to bed for a year. Oh my gosh. And with the money that his family got back from the accident, like from the city, they bought him a violin, and that's when he started getting into the violin. You know who has a similar story? Hmm. Frida Kahlo. Really? She was also hit by a bus or a trolley and was bedridden. Mm. And that's when some of her greatest artworks came out. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think she was paralyzed from it. So if I want to be good at art. Get hit by a bus. <laughs> bad enough to be bedridden, but not bad enough to be dead. Yeah. Deadridden. <laughs> Just that sweet spot of getting hit by a bus. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I'll add it on my list. <laughs> can't be much worse than this i think it can be good point it can be a lot worse than that i just joking i feel like crap (laughs) yeah yeah maybe we're good where we're at we don't need to do anything else yeah (laughs) um since this accident though salvatore would continue to experience potential digestive illnesses from that accident on and Mm. off throughout his life but Nobody's really sure if it, like, was stemmed from the accident or if it was just a coincidence. But it would get to the point that it would incapacitate him every once in a while in his life. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Like, severe stomach flu level of, like, just down for the count for a month. Jeez. Mm-hmm. That's rough. But he did decide, uh, as he was growing up, to stick to the violin for a while. So it was his primary choice of instrument for more than a decade. Hmm. And he notably learned it alongside his neighbor, schoolmate, and later professional colleague, Joe Venuti. I think that's how you say his name. Okay. Let's go check. Who is also a very popular violinist. Hmm. But anyway, so Joe Venuti. So they grew up together. And they were both would grow on to be very uh, successful musicians. And they ended up basically practicing endlessly together. So they went to school. Yeah? I, I wanted to back up my Frida Kahlo comment to make sure that i wasn't giving false information uh-huh because i only watched the movie once in an art appreciation class oh okay on september 7th 1925 frida was riding a bus with her boyfriend gomez arias when it crashed into a trolley 
Mm. As a result, Frida had a broken spinal column, broken collarbone, ribs, pelvis, 11 fractures in her leg, and an iron handrail punctured her abdomen and uterus. Ow. So she was down. How did but she not, not dead. Yeah, how did she not die? I don't know. Mm. Good medicine, I guess. Yeah, and luck. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. Anyway. Um, I just I just thought it was a really crazy coincidence. Yeah. I Well, I had no idea that was a thing, so. Random fun facts from college. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, Salvatore and Joe Venuti grew up practicing endlessly together, um, especially after Salvatore switched back to the guitar. So when they were practicing growing up and in their teenage years, they would, like, be playing a song and then they would switch their instrument and then they would switch it back back and forth and back and forth and that was something they actually ended up carrying into when they started performing together on stages oh that so would cool. be like you know one song where he's playing violin and guitar and and then they swap back and forth and they swap again <laughs> that's got to be really interesting to watch that kind of performance yeah and especially because they were just so comfortable with each other mm -hmm. it was also speculated like eddie never said anything in later interviews specifically about it but it was speculated that a major influence on his musical taste came from the fact that he grew up in philadelphia particularly when he did mm -hmm. so in the early 1900s philadelphia had one of the largest populations of african-american above the mason dixon line so any jazz or blues player who was anybody or wanted to be anybody made sure to make stops in philadelphia like when they were touring and putting on shows and as they were growing uh-huh in addition to the jazz and blues scene, Philadelphia also had a large immigrant population from a variety of European countries, and a lot of those families would bring their folk music with them. So he was also exposed mm. to a lot of different folk from a lot of different people, uh, a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. And it's thought that one of his biggest influences was a guy named Bobby Leecan, L-E-E-C-A-N, who lived in Philadelphia and was listed in the 1920 census as piano player dash odd jobs. <laughs> um, what an interesting resume. <laughs> yeah. But if you listen to some of Lee Can's recordings and then uh, especially his later ones, and then you go and listen to Eddie Lang's music, there's a lot of similar style choices. So uh, one of the things that Eddie would become known for as he got out into his career was being a good accompanist, accompanist, <laughs> a good at accompanying people musically, um, and particularly being able to switch styles quickly. And it's thought that it's because he had so many different influences around him growing up in Philadelphia to learn from. Mm -hmm. And at this point, he was practicing jazz already or no? Kind of just practicing the instrument in general. And like when they, okay. when he and Joe were growing up, they did a lot of like improv music when they were just practicing outside of class. Yeah. And that, that is crucial to be a jazz player is you have to be adaptable on the spot. Mm -hmm. And he got real good at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so according to the article that I found that will be linked, but I couldn't find like a, an easy name to call him mm -hmm. by so it's just the article salvatore ended up adopting the name eddie lang when he was a teenager because the name came from a popular basketball player in a local south philadelphia hebrew association league and the jury is still out historically on whether it was the basketball player's birth name either huh but he liked the name eddie lang and he more than likely adopted it because that's what a lot of musicians did at the time just so that their name was easier to the general population 
instead of trying to pronounce Salvatore, and I already forgot his last name. <laughs> Massaro. Massaro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is catchy and it's a cool name, but maybe not at the time. Yeah. And, I mean, even Elton John changed his name just to be cooler. As Eddie Lang ventured into adulthood and into his professional career, he became known for playing his guitar, hence what the syncopated times claimed earlier about him being a virtuoso. Um, and this is where he started to become known as a good accompanist on stage who could play jazz, classical, and other music styles fluidly. And he quickly mm-hmm. grew a rep- reputation as well for his solo work. Oh. So... Some of his first known jobs are from around when he was 16. This kid was just like, yep, we're just going to go out and do it. So he and Venuti would uh, get together with some of their other like friends and make a band. And they would go play at what was called Shots Cafe in Philadelphia. Ooh. And see, we brought it back down to coffee into a cafe. So. Aha. Aha. <laughs> um, and as he grew uh, into more popular bands and locations, he would often join as a violinist or a banjoist and then as he got more comfortable with the group he would end up playing guitar as well this dude played banjo too Uh uh-huh i love a good banjo player i think they are so talented and we are actually going to talk about the banjo a little bit more in a minute yes we'll come back to that banjo is one of my favorite instruments Mm -hmm. you don't just casually play the banjo it's a plucky instrument yeah it's like saying you casually play the accordion. You have to play that thing twice to make it to play. <laughs> uh-huh. I just pick it up and go, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so when Eddie was 21, he joined another band and was moving to New York. But this was one of the times in his life where he actually ended up having to almost immediately move back to Philadelphia um, for, it looks like, about a month because he had digestive health problems. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up returning to New York after that month or so to be able to join the band. And he stayed there for two years with them. Mm -hmm. And it was when he was touring with this band that he found one of the more well-known bands that he was a part of, which is the Mound City Blue Blowers. That's a cool name. I highly recommend that you listen to their music because I switched to their music after I found them. And they're so much fun. Yeah. So the Mound City Blue Blowers (laughs) were a band that included... A kazoo, a comb, and a banjo. And yes, they are on Spotify. And yes, I give you permission to go listen right now so long as you come right back. Me too? Yeah, go for it. Yes! So, I, I will try if I can find it and confirm it's royalty-free, because it should be old enough to try to put a snippet of uh, this song in there for listeners. Um, and if I can get it in the background, that'll be perfect. Because the reason he found the band is because he was... Uh, you know, just in town living his life and he walked into a cafe where this band was performing and just asked if he could play with them. Oh! So, he played with them and it went really well and then after that a few of the band members went to a few of Eddie's performances and shortly after they offered him $200 a week to join them. Wow. And that was in, I think it was, this is going to be around 1923? Yeah, around 1922, 23. Um, so I did the math. That's $3,500 a week. That's a lot of money. Yes. And he said no. What? <laughs> he said no until one of his bandmates from the current band he was in talked him into it. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so he said no to them initially. Um, and then when he did take them up on the offer, 
one of their first gigs together was at the Palace Theater in New York. Okay. Um, and he was late for the stage rehearsal. Oh. By an hour. Uh-oh. Because he got lost. He came in Same. through a fire escape and couldn't find the stage. That sounds, that sounds like something I would do. This is like, what a guy. <laughs> He's relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, bonus fact, Eddie's success throughout the years contributed to the general trend away from banjos and towards guitars. So this is where I was doing some additional research on that. Um, and one of the reasons why banjos were more popular in bands at the time is because this was when recording was really starting to kick up. And the mm-hmm. recording equipment didn't pick up on guitars very well, but it did pick up on banjos. So of the options for stringed instruments, bands would opt for banjos until microphones adapted so you could actually hear the guitar. And then partially because of equipment changes, partially because of people like Eddie that were playing the guitar, you know, in live performances, the trend started mm-hmm. to go towards a guitar. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if banjos were still like the number one string That would change a lot of music. Yeah. Everything to me would sound like Mumford and Sons and like um, Deep South, Dead South. Uh, Dead dead South. To me, everything would have that kind of feeling, you know, because you have to have like the pluckiness. Yeah. I'm imagining Metallica, but with a banjo. (laughs) An electric banjo. Yes. Yes. That would be awesome. Mm -hmm. I have a new mission after we're done with this episode. It's going to be finding electric banjo. Hold on. Let me check something on my Spotify. Because there is a band that did a cover of Hayloft. Nickel Creek. Wait, what? Yeah. Nickel Creek did a cover of Hayloft that is much more like banjo style. You know I love Nickel Creek, right? Yes. I knew. I couldn't remember if it was them <laughs> or um, Poor Man's Poison. Because I get them confused. Yeah. But yes. So they did a cover of Hayloft if you're interested in that. I have to listen to that soon. Mm-hmm. I love Nickel Creek. I go through phases of just listening to them. Thank you, Dad, for introducing them to me. Mm-hmm. A lot of their songs are very sad, so be sure to be emotionally prepared to listen to some of them, especially if you're listening to Lighthouse Tale. That one makes me cry a lot. Oh, I don't think I've heard that one. It's beautiful. They are very good story 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 <laughs> storytellers. Oh, okay. I will save that for when I need a good cry. Um, Eddie would end up going through uh, performing with a bunch of bands and doing a lot of performo... Performo. (laughs) Solo performances and recordings as he got later into his career. Um, Uh But he was one of the first major solo guitar jars... Just, my God. (laughs) Jars? (laughs) He was a solo jar? He was a solo jar. It's not a... My door is not a jar. It's a door. Um, okay, we're going to start that whole thing. I see fan art in the future. (laughs) We'll leave it in, but I'm going to restart the sentence so that I'm comprehensible. Okay. Eddie would go on throughout his career to join multiple bands and perform and record solo as well. He was one of the first major solo guitar jazz musicians of the time and is often credited with building the foundations for jazz guitar. That's really cool. Yeah. And we just arbitrarily picked him. I didn't realize we picked such an influential person. Same. Like, I had never heard his name before this, and now I feel bad about it. Right. I am going to warn you now, the ending of this story is not a happy one. Oh, no. So, uh, anyway, if you are interested in listening to some different music and bands that he was involved in, uh, obviously I'm going to try to get 
Um, I've got my fingers crossed by the Mound City Blue Blowers in there. Um, there's also Singing the Blues by Bix Bearded Beck, which is B-I-X space B-E-I-D-E-R-B-E-C-K-E. That song's from 1927. Uh, there's Jet Black Blues by Gin Bottle 4. Um, and then Stringin' the Blues is one that he played with Venuti in 1926, uh, which he also ended up appearing in some films later. He, he ended up appearing in films? Yeah, in films, hmm. uh, which I'll expand on in a second. There's also Paul Whitman, or Whiteman rather, who was one of Eddie's bandmates in the late 1920s. And he was quoted as saying, To my mind, Lang was one of the greatest musical geniuses we ever had in the band. I never saw him look at a note of music. I don't even know whether he could read it or not. It made no difference. What's the use of bothering with those pesky black blotches when you can anticipate the next chord change five bars in advance? No matter how intricate the arrangement was, Eddie played it flawlessly the first time without having heard it before and without looking at a sheet of music. It was as if his musically intuitive spirit had read the arranger's mind and knew in advance everything that was going to happen. I think that right there is the definition of virtuoso. Yes, he is amazing. And uh, I did the article I was reading that had that quote, and it did say based on his schooling, he could read the music. But more importantly, he didn't need to. Right. But that's that's really impressive. Yeah. To just walk up and be like, hey, yo, I can just play this. It's cool. You just start. I'll catch up. <laughs> that's that's ugh, I wish I wish I had that talent. Mm -hmm. I can't even if you play a note, I can't tell you remotely what note it is. So not for me. I could guesstimate, but I might be a fifth off. I don't even know what a fifth means. <laughs> I like spreadsheets. <laughs> not, not, uh, not music sheets. Yeah, I can. You I, can read music, though. I can read music. I can't do musical things by ear. I can do musical things by ear, but it might not be in the right key. So uh, one of the last big things I want to cover about Eddie is that he was also known to have been very close friends with Bing Crosby. No. In fact, they were roommates. No. <laughs> and they actually, it was the two of them and then each of their partners that lived together. Um, but it was said that Bing wanted Eddie to have been involved in every project that he could. So by 1931, Eddie was pretty much Bing's full-time accompanist. Accompanist? I still can't say the word. I'm not going to look it up. You know what I mean. So you're saying if I look up Bing Crosby songs, I'm going to see Eddie Lang as a featured accompanist? That really depends on when the song came out. So. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, for those who don't recognize Bing Crosby's name, I know him and most people know him because he is the guy that made White Christmas, the song and the movie in the 1950s. Um which I think is still like the number one selling single of all time or something ridiculous like that. Mm -hmm. If it's not number one, it's up there. Um, but Bing insisted that Eddie was involved in, I think what was the first movie that Bing ever made, which was called the big broadcast in 1932. So he didn't have a speaking role, but he was there <laughs> in the oh. background, just hanging out. Um, and in 1933, Bing wanted Eddie to have a speaking role in his next movie, which was called College Humor, by the way. That's funny. Yeah. Um, however, Eddie had been having troubles with his voice being low and hoarse. And just a heads up, this is where we're going downhill. Uh-oh. Um, so basically what happened was Bing encouraged Eddie to seek medical attention. 
And he, it ended up being a problem with his tonsils. So he went to go get a tonsillectomy, which even at the time should have been a typical surgery. However, they don't know for sure what happened, but something, one of his nurses was incompetent or he had some underlying thing, but the blood flow was not stemmed and he ended up bleeding to death. On the operating table. Shortly after. He actually got out of the operating room. They told his wife he was fine. She went out to get lunch. She came back. He died. I am so glad we covered this after my surgery. Yep. I was reading it and I was like, all right, if this had been before surgery, we were gonna wait. <laughs> yeah, I I don't think I would have been okay with that because the fact that you said should have been routine, which what my surgery was, mm -hmm. is routine surgery. Yeah. Not okay. This is one of those situations where it's just messed up. Like it's the same as like, oh, it should be routine to go to the grocery store and get something and then something wild happens, you know? Like a truck crashed through the store and you happened to be in the checkout line. Exactly. Like, how did that even happen? Something really dumb and random. Yes. But... That's so sad. He was 33. What? Mm-hmm. That's so young. Yeah. So this was in 1935? No. It was in 1933. Um. So he was in his early 30s. And every source I read that mentioned Bing and Eddie together said that the the guilt from this wrecked Bing Crosby. Oh. Like, there's theories that after this, he was very reserved and, like, wouldn't open up to people. And it potentially is because he lost someone so close to him. Like, that's so much that I'm not going to get any further into it. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> so sad. Yeah. Um, But I did find Eddie was buried in Philadelphia a few days after he passed away. And more than 2,000 people came to his funeral. And I have three fun facts about his grave. Okay. Number one, his gravestone says Eddie Lang, but on the line below it, it says Masaro, his birth name. Huh. Number two, H.H. Holmes is also buried in that cemetery. Who is that? He is the guy that had the murder mansion in Chicago. He was a enormous serial killer in the late 1800s and is the American killer that is thought to, by some theories, potentially have also been Jack the Ripper. Hmm. He was an awful person who did awful things. Why Philadelphia? I think that's where he died. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess it's cheaper to bury him there than transport him back to Chicago. Yeah. And like nobody wanted anything to do with him really, except for like maybe one lady that he had essentially manipulated into marrying him. Lovely. Yeah. That's a, if you want to listen to H.H. Holmes, go listen to a true crime podcast such as Morbid, who did like a five parter on it. That was really good. Uh, and that's why we drink. I'm sure has an episode. There's a couple of them out there. That's not our thing. I just thought it was weird that he was in the same cemetery. <laughs> and three, most importantly to me personally, a lot of my dad's family lived around that area when my dad was growing up. So literally, like if the cemetery's here, it would be like one aunt's on this side, another family member's a couple blocks over on the other side, like all spread around. So my dad was just <laughs> around Eddie Lang's grave a lot growing up. So it's like this guy has been circulating you your whole life and you've just now figured out that he's important. Yeah, my bad. That's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, I was distracted. What are the odds of that? Yeah. And we just arbitrarily picked his song. Yeah, we just listened to it and went, yep, that's it. Yep. Um. So anyway, it's a really sad ending to an otherwise absolutely amazing life. But I googled the surface level of this a while ago. Uh, and told you that it was going to be a surprise minisode. And then I've been trying to like not react to anything about it since then. Like just mm -hmm. trying to be chill. Trying to be cool. <laughs> trying to be relaxed. Um, but I definitely thought, and I think even more after researching him, that Eddie just deserves some time in the spotlight on our podcast. And I'm so grateful 
that we found him and that we get to use his music as our theme song. And I don't know that we ever would have like found out about him if we hadn't just made that decision one day. Yeah, and I think it's really important that we tell everyone else because otherwise this guy is just dead and his music's going nowhere because now it's royalty free, which means it's not being advertised anymore. Yep. So maybe we should start spreading it. Yeah, I'm down. We could start um, for minisodes if we want to. If it's not too much work, every different minisode can have an introduction that's a different Eddie Lang song. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Takes a little bit extra work, but I think we can do it. Yeah. Um, To lighten the mood, I do have a quiz for you. I have one quick fun fact for you. Okay. Uh, Regarding the article that you were mostly pulling from, syncopated, what was it? Um, that was one of the first ones I used. The early, the early times one that I had that had a lot of detailed information was vgm.biz slash stuff. But I did want you to know the definition of syncopated. Yes. Uh, syncopated, according to Oxford Dictionary, (laughs) Oxford Dictionary is character, music or a rhythm characterized by displaced beats or accents so that the strong beak Strong beats are weak beats and vice versa. So it provides mm. funk. Oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Just thought you should know that. It's it's very relatable to what he does. Yes. Oh, that makes and sense. And the fact that the that article was from something with that definition, it, it was just appropriate. Mhm. It was fitting. That's all. Um so for today's quiz, we are going to see with the differences in currency and inflation in the last century um oh by the way the other thing i realized was eddie lang passed away almost exactly 90 years ago wow yes i don't know what day it was but it was the 33 what year did the song that we chose come out 1927 wow so six years prior okay yep um so anyway we're gonna see for this buzzfeed quiz if we are able to spend five dollars at a 1920s candy shop we'll try i'm weirdly picky about candy yep (laughs) <laughs> all right this one has a story oh i didn't look at this link i just looked at the title so uh tragedy strikes it's the 1920s and your great-grandfather alonzo hammermeister was just run over and killed by a horse and buggy oh no you go to collect your inheritance and learn that you're entitled to a whopping five dollars heck yeah you decide to honor his memory by going to a candy sh- on a candy shopping spree trust us it's what he would have wanted okay so here's how to play. You must pick one candy item from each category and the prices will not be visible to you. Your mission to spend as much as possible, as much of the $5 as possible without going over. So we're basically prices writing it. I'm bad at that. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Same. I have no concept of uh, act- these are actual research prices from the 1920s. So that's exciting. Yep. This is a really cool quiz. And it's got pictures of the uh, original wrappers. It looks like too. All right. So first one, we're going to grab a candy bar because chocolate was always his favorite treat, as we know. Um, Would you like a Butterfinger or a Hershey's bar? Ooh. Which the label says almond, but the thing just says Hershey's. So hmm, I'm going to choose a Hershey's bar. I like Butterfingers, but I like Hershey's more. I'm also going to choose Hershey's because I don't like Butterfingers. (laughs) One chocolate bar is never enough. Grab another. Would you like a Three Musketeers or a Baby Ruth? I want a Three Musketeers. All right. I'm going to get a Baby Ruth. I don't think I like Baby Ruth, but I haven't tried it. 
I, it's like, it's a thing that I randomly crave. Like, it's not a go-to, but it's like every once in a while I'm like, mm. <laughs> nice choice, kid. Grab another sweet. Would you like an O. Henry candy or milk duds? I've heard of O. Henry. I think it's a honey thing. O. Henry is an American candy bar containing peanuts, caramel, and fudge coated in chocolate. Yum. And what exactly is in a milk dud? I haven't. Uh, malt. Well, okay. Milk duds or malt balls. Got it. Okay. Once upon a time, I really liked milk duds. Mm. Is that the option you'd like to pick? It is the option I'd like to pick. All right. I'm going to go O. Henry because I don't love malt very much. You've still got some cash to spend. Buy some candy in bulk. Make Alonzo proud. It's gumdrops. But would you like one pound, two pound, three pound, or no thanks? That's a lot of gumdrops. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with no thanks because I don't like gumdrops. Okay. I will, uh, to be different and to honor him, I'll get a pound. Okay. And, ooh. ooh, it's time for some marshmallows. That's so many! Would you like five pounds, eight pounds, ten pounds, or I don't want any? What am I supposed to do with five pounds of marshmallows? I'm gonna get them, but that's a lot of marshmallows. You can make sweet potato casserole. Ooh, five pounds, please. Okay, I'll get eight. I want s'mores. Ooh. I love s'mores. You want s'mores. Ooh, your favorite, caramels. Fantastic. <laughs> it's, do you want three pounds, five pounds, seven pounds, or I hate those sticky clouds? That is exactly <laughs> how I feel, so I'm picking that one, please. All right, I'm going to get, uh, I'm worried about my price. I'm going to do five pounds. Ugh, licorice. Ugh. Does it have to be black licorice? Licorice? It does <laughs> But that is what the picture is. So when was red licorice invented? In the 1920s. So it's an option. I'm going to assume it's red licorice. All right. So how, what would you like? Oh, I have to choose one, don't I? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say two pounds. I'm going to say ew. <laughs> and finally, lemon drops. Ooh. Oh my God. Would you like... 15 pounds, 20 pounds, 25 pounds, or those are too sour for me. How expensive are these candies? I have no idea. We're going to find out. Can't be that expensive. You know what? I guess we're going with 15 pounds of lemon drops. Okay. I'm going to go no thank you. I I just don't love them that much. Oh my. Okay. All right. Well, I will tell you, you were successful. Would you like to see who spent more money? Yes. Okay. Um, it says you did it. You spent your entire inheritance, which is not true, but you spent less than the inheritance on candy. A and great grandpa Alonzo would be proud. Go eat a barrel full of marshmallows to celebrate. You spent $2.57. I was cheaper? Apparently. You spent the same description. Okay. You spent $3.37. My God. So you were closer. All right. Good job. That's a lot of candy. That's a ton of candy for three bucks. Meanwhile, you go to one of those like weigh it yourself kind of places and you walk out with $20 and it's only been like a pound and a half of candy. Yeah. I'm going to just pick uh, candy bars and then I'm going to go through and pick the most poundage of candy that I can and see what it gets me. So three pounds of that, 25 pounds of that. The most, if you just picked everything, is $6.93. So it's pretty hard to go over. Yeah. <laughs> it says yikes you spent more money than you had you best be getting out of out of that store before the police come and put you in the paddy wagon not the horses you whisper <laughs> to yourself 
Not the horses. Not the horses. You don't understand. <laughs> That's really funny. So yeah, that was fun. That was really cool. We could have gotten so much candy and then gone and watched Eddie Lang. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you've had a rough week and you've been really resting, but do you have any idea what's next? No. Sounds good. I don't. I just realized I didn't even think about it. Before we got completely Oh, yeah. Didn't I think it was going to be Sherbert? Italian Ice. Well, it was another name, but it was basically Italian Ice. Yeah, like Italian shaved ice. It was a sorbet of some kind. Yeah. We'll have to go back and, and figure out exactly what that's called, but it's going to be of that value. Yeah. Summertime. I forgot. It's all good. Summertime and the notes are easy. Yeah. <laughs> there's been stuff going on, so we're just being chill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But as always, thank you everybody so much for listening to our very interesting and off off of what we usually do episode. Um, as always, all of our sources will be in the episode notes that includes research sources, the quiz, but not a recipe, but some links to Spotify. If you use Spotify, we'll put, you know, the different songs in there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when in doubt, just Google search it. You'll, it'll find, you'll find it on whatever you use. Yeah. He's all over the place. Apparently we have just been totally missing him for years. Whoops. Oopsies. <laughs> You can also find our podcast at webrewgood.podbean.com, which is also webrewgood.com because we cool like that. Mm-hmm. You can also find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Pandora, Amazon Music, YouTube now. <laughs> I'm sorry, what is that? You <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to type it with one hand while getting ahead of you talking and it YouTube. And just about wherever you can find podcasts. There we go. I fixed it. Um, you would do me. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at WeBrewGood. And you can send us an email directly at WeBrewGood at gmail.com because we love getting emails. It's like so exciting. It's like getting mail, but for us youngins. Yeah. <laughs> no horse and buggy required. I'm going to Google a weird question. All right. This brought up a better question Um, because I searched what were guinea pigs doing in the 1920s, which then pulled up an article from the Guardian that says, what have guinea pigs ever done for us? (laughs) (laughs) That's so aggressive. (laughs) Guinea pigs are actually a, a food source in some countries. I think it gets into like animal testing for uh, experiments and stuff. Oh, jeez. Potentially helped discover penicillin? Really? I don't know. I think it's just kind of mixing all animals, though. Do I hear a guinea pig episode in the future? Oh, boy. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed. I wouldn't be opposed either. I don't know what guinea pigs were up to in the 1920s. I guess they were just listening to jazz like everyone else. I mean, I wouldn't blame them. It's it's what's... It's what's cool. It's what hip. Swinging. <laughs> Swinging hips. <laughs> Swinging those guinea pig hips. <laughs> so cute. They got a big little booty. They just go a boop, 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 a boop. But yeah, anyway, I don't even know what to do with the rest of my day. I guess I got to go do like adult things like meal prepping and emptying my dishwasher. Same. Hmm. I guess basically the moral of the story is guinea pigs are out living their life in the 1920s and now we got to go do adult things that help our happy homes stay, stay brutal. brutiful. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>